Welcome to It Starts at Birth, a podcast dedicated to empowering women to have the birth that they choose through insightful conversations. My name is Faith Flatt, and joining me on today's episode is my husband, Mark Flatt, and we're excited about our topic today. We'll be covering how you can know your epidural. We'll discuss important facts about epidurals and what they mean for you and your baby. On the last episode, we covered whose business is birth and some insight into the profitability of birth in the United States. And before that, we covered critical questions to ask your midwife or your OBGYN, depending on which direction you choose to go. So I'm really excited to get into this conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us for It Starts at Birth. Let's get right into it. Well, in terms of important facts about epidurals, we're going to break it down into three sections. We'll be discussing side effects to you during the birthing process if you do have an epidural. And we'll also take a look at what epidurals are made of. And then last and certainly not least, we'll look at the effects on the infant when epidurals are used. And this is an important conversation because over half of the women in the United States choose to use an epidural. I actually used an epidural in my first birth and felt little relief from that epidural as I've discussed in previous episodes. Then when it came to the birth of my second daughter, I decided in the quest for a pain-free birth... I was actually going to go medication-free and had a much more pain-free birth. And I was wondering, Mark, you know, you were a bystander inside of the process, the birthing process, and also a participant as a support person for me. Would you mind just kind of briefly sharing um, the way that you saw um, those two births break down and which one kind of seemed, yeah, preferable to you. Which which of those birthing experiences would you rather experience? Well, first of all, um, I was, you know, quite out of my element the first birth of our first child. Um, We went to the hospital and um, I was, you know, there holding your hand. We were... um, you know, in a situation where I felt quite out of control, um, there wasn't really much for me to say. I wish I understood maybe more how I could have been an advocate, but under those circumstances, I was I was in my early 20s, and we were in a room full of nurses and a doctor, and um, they pretty much took control, and um, I remember just kind of trying to be there for you, but not really knowing exactly what I could do other than hold your hand. So um, that was, I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say about the first birth. Um, The second birth, um, we prepared for it much more. And when you went into labor, I remember, um, you know, talking to you about breathing and making sure that you stuck with your plan. Um, But before we knew it, the, um, the baby was on the way. And 
I remember telling you, don't push. But you said it was too late. The baby was on its way. And so I had a chance to um, actually catch um, our second daughter. Um, and, you know, it was quite a different experience because I felt like we were in complete control of the situation, even though it wasn't how we planned on it going. So I think, to you know, to kind of consider that where we, we followed our plan, but we felt out of control versus um, this wasn't our plan, but we felt completely in control. Um, I think that's kind of how I'd explain the difference. Um, and a lot of that came down to the education we received um, through conversations, through watching videos, through, um, you know, talking to people and them, you know, letting us know that birth was a natural process and we didn't need to, um, you know, didn't need to pass off the control of that. So even though things weren't exactly how we planned, understanding that it was a natural process empowered us to let, um, let it happen instead of um, it was their, like the doctor and the nurse's job to get the baby out. And that difference really was empowering. That knowledge was power. And I think that's why, you know, when you talked to me about doing this podcast, it felt like the right thing to do was because I know that there are a lot of men out there um, and significant others who don't necessarily know what their role is. And looking back, you know, even if we decided to go to a hospital, um, I, I know that I would have seen myself, I would see myself now as an advocate for you and someone who could step in and ask questions to the doctors and the nurses, um, talk to you through the process and kind of be an intermediary for you during that time. But the first, our first birth, it was just was like, this, I just honestly, I wasn't in my element and I didn't know what I was doing. And um, it was just a bunch of experts and who were we to speak up. But after learning what we did learn from the midwives and through the education process that they brought us through, I understood that, you know, this was about you being comfortable and you being in control because your body would tell you what you needed. And when I understood that, it, I, I knew I wasn't supposed to be the vocal leader, but anything that you needed, it was my job to do. And that's where, you know, the, the difference came in. I think in the sense that you feel out of control, um, even though you're going along with your plan, that's not a very good feeling. Um, if you're not going with your plan, but you feel completely in control, then that's actually an empower, empowering feeling. So I think that's a surprise. That was probably the biggest shock for me was that we didn't need experts. We didn't need anybody to come in and tell you what to do. You knew what to do. Um, your instincts were dead on the whole time. And by communicating with you through that time, um, then everything would be fine. I mean, I know that there's exceptions to that, but um, in the end, those are the exceptions. And in a lot of ways, the exception, you know, is something that everybody feels like they have to prepare for. And if they're um, 
if they're not prepared for the exception, then they're unprepared. But in reality, um, being in a position where the exception is the only thing you're prepared for leaves you in a spot where you're not prepared for the natural process to take hold. And that's what I felt so empowered by was just being there with you and understanding that that was enough and we would take care of this together. And um, that our training um, just taught us that um, nature will take care of itself. And in that second birth, I would say, yeah, nature really did take care of us and the process just went a lot smoother. The first birth, holding your hand, is one of my most vivid memories after um, the intensity of the situation because that really seemed to be the only thing you and I had control of was that we could hold each other's hands and anything else we did really speak up um, to voice or anything I tried to say and you reiterated to the nurses and the doctor didn't really seem to matter. So um, you were there for me as much as we knew how you could be there. But in the second birth, um, in many ways, the reason our daughter was born before we even had time to call the midwife was because we had such a relaxed approach that I think in about an hour and a half um, of just really relaxed breathing, um, you encouraged me to just breathe and follow my plan, as you said. We're, I was able to move through all the phases of labor so much pain, so much more pain-free then my first birth had been with pain relief that I didn't realize how progressed I was. And so that's one of the things that makes me really passionate about today's conversation um, is that with over half of the women in the United States, myself included, getting epidurals for birth, one thing that I think is lacking out there is information and important facts that mothers should be aware of about epidurals. And today we just want to take the time to walk you through some of that information um, so that you can decide if an epidural is actually right for you or if it's maybe something that's just been marketed to you. So the first area we're going to talk about is just the side effects during birth. There are Potentially, and um, I know from experience some long-term um, after effects that you can have from epidural use. But today, I just want to focus on how it can affect you when you are in the middle of the birthing process. And uh, one of the ways that an epidural can affect you is that, first of all, um, you may not be able to fill when your bladder is full. So a lot of times a catheter is needed. And I'll tell you what, when I got that first epidural or that only epidural I've ever had, I didn't know a catheter was going to be a part of the process. And that was so painful and left me with a lot of after effects as well, um, just because I can still remember um, how it felt when that catheter was placed inside. So that's something to be aware of as you most of the time are going to need a catheter um, not just because you can't um, urinate as you typically would, but also that can sometimes be the means of delivery for the epidural. So that's something to keep in mind. Another side effect of an epidural can be itchy skin. And this is a side of 
effect of the pain relief medications that are used. And that's another section we'll talk about is what is inside of your epidural. Um, another side effect during birth um, from epidurals is that they oftentimes or occasionally provide inadequate pain relief. And in fact, in one study, about 28 out of every 100 women need additional painkillers during labor. And often that additional painkiller that is given on top of the epidural is an opiate. Um, so just be aware that epidurals aren't necessarily a guarantee that you're going to have a pain-free labor. That's one thing that I didn't know and I wish I had known. And so whether or not you're going to get an epidural, I certainly encourage you to get um, a Lamaze class, do some Lamaze classes so that you are prepared when that pain hits and you understand some natural ways through breathing and relaxation that you can assist yourself in um, relieving the pain that you're experiencing. There are additionally some very rare epidural side effects, but you should be aware of them. Um, permanent nerve damage can happen. You can have fits and convulsions. You can have severe breathing difficulties, and epidurals do sometimes result in death. Now, that's not to be a fear monger, but these are the facts I found in reports that I was looking at, and I wanted to share those because I think sometimes epidurals are actually often marketed to us as a very safe choice. And while it may be statistically safe, it doesn't come without some risks. I think one of the incredible things about the marketing of epidurals is the fact that they have been able to convince the majority of the population that an epidural represents a pain-free birth. And I think it's really critical to think about the word marketing here because that's what we're talking about. Um, it's not necessarily based in reality. Um, it does work that way for some people. But in the end, the assumption that everybody who has an epidural will also have a pain-free birth, um, you know, I honestly, I don't know that that has been the case for anybody that I know. Um, there's always um, additional pain that comes with birth um, from the people that I've talked to, and I'll admit it hasn't been too many people, but in the end, this idea that all you need is a simple shot and then it's a pain-free birth isn't really based in reality. And so I think that's why the key word here is marketing. Um, because let's face it, we've all heard this idea that an epidural represents a pain-free birth. But when you kind of peel back the layers of that and you can see that maybe that's not the case, then... Um, maybe there's a different approach or different approaches that you can investigate if you're looking to have, um, you know, a reduced pain birth. And, you know, the idea that you take an epidural and then you just sit there and let the baby come out isn't really based in reality. And it has been something that has been very heavily marketed to women. And it's something that we should challenge and talk about. And if it's not based in reality, then we should definitely um, consider that as you make decisions, as you make decisions for yourself and for your baby and for your family, um, 
making sure you have all the information is critical to make sure you make the right choice for yourself. And on that note, there's nothing wrong with looking for and trying to have a birth that is as painless as possible. And as I said, because my epidural was ineffective, I, contrary to what I think people often think about home birth and women who birth naturally, I think the idea and kind of the stigma is that these are women who are just trying to prove something to other people and to themselves um, and just trying to show that they can deal with more pain and they're more tough. Um, Actually, natural birth that um, utilizes your body's own pain relief mechanisms that allows you to empower yourself to relax yourself and to rise above the pain. These are actually some proven ways and ancient ways to help um, ensure a more comfortable delivery. And so that's what brought me to natural childbirth. So it's not that anyone should be looked down upon for seeking a pain-free birth Um, but rather that we should consider what has been marketed to us and understand um, that there's more than they talk about when it comes to epidurals. And also, too, as Mark said, you know, he's not sure that he's ever met someone who's had a pain-free birth. I've certainly talked to women who felt that the epidurals were very effective and relieved pain. But one thing I wonder about some of those conversations that I've had Um, when I get more into some of the side effects here in just a second, is maybe they had some of these after effects on their infant or on themselves, and we don't typically um, associate some of these side effects with having used an epidural. So then the question becomes, well, how pain-free is the birth? Maybe you're eliminating certain parts of pain in the labor, but are you actually causing more pain later? And one really supporting um, side effect to that, that question is that there is a significant increase in interventions during the birthing process when epidurals are used. In fact, one report by Obstetrics and Gynecology International on the effect of epidural analgesia on the delivery outcome of induced labor, um, stated that the use of an epidural was not a risk factor for a C-section delivery, but was a risk factor for an instrument-assisted delivery. And here are the, the percentages that they went on to list. Women with an epidural had in high, had a higher instrumental delivery. Um, they actually had about 38% of women need an instrumental delivery versus 16% who did not utilize epidurals. And additionally, in this same report, they do state that those who used epidurals had a C-section delivery rate of 26% versus 10% of those who did not have an epidural. Now, they think the C-section increase had more to do with other factors than the epidural, but I did want to share both of those percentages. And then that higher instrumental delivery, they do associate with the use of epidurals in childbirth. And this was one thing that I thought was very significant about that. Um, 
before a child can be born using a vacuum delivery or forceps, both of which would be instrumental delivery, you have to have an episiotomy, which is a cut made in the back of the vagina, um, or at least it's usually necessary for those instruments to be used, and then you need to be stitched. Having had an episiotomy, I would say that that certainly delivers a whole different type of pain and makes your recovery much harder and much more painful. Um, And I've had both types of birth with and without an episiotomy, and um, the recovery is much harder with an episiotomy. An additional side effect during birth when epidurals are used um, comes down to pushing. Um, Epidurals mean very often for women, that they can't fill when it's time to push. You may still um, feel that urge to push, but you can't really feel when it's time to push as well, and some women not at all. So then the doctors and midwives really need to let you know how and when to start pushing. And a fact that I thought was really interesting about that not being able to push as well is that in one study, researchers found that the second stage of labor, which is the stage in which you push, can take about two hours longer when women hadn't had had an epidural. So that's quite a significant increase overall inside of um, your time in labor. And um, definitely something to keep in mind if you're really going for a labor that moves quickly and that's as pain-free as possible. These are all side effects that you should be aware of before you get that epidural so you know what you're getting into. And like we said at the beginning of this um, podcast, this is all about empowering you to make the decision that's right for you. Um, Understanding the potential side effects and understanding um, all that comes with both sides is very critical to making the decision that's right for you. It seems like very often, like you said, a home birth or midwife-assisted birth is portrayed as some sort of like hero's journey that only women who are trying to prove something will go on. But in the end, um, what brings many women to choose an epidural um, often is um, something that they could achieve through um, natural means simply because um, since long before epidurals were invented, um, the human body has been taking care of itself through um, you know, natural pain relief. And when you understand that those, there are th- certain things you can do to tap in to that natural pain relief, understanding that, um, that the process um, can actually go faster and be less painful with less recovery time, um, then it doesn't seem so much like a hero's journey, but it seems like something that um, is really about education. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about education because when you understand and when you have that knowledge, it is power. A second part of epidurals that's really important to understand is what epidurals are made of. And because you hear so often that epidurals are completely safe for babies. Um, I didn't even think to ask what my epidural was made of. 
So I've been really surprised to have come across information um, here in my third pregnancy about what epidurals are made of that kind of terrified me and made me really wish I had known before I had had an epidural um, back in 2008. Um, Epidural medications fall into a class of drugs called local anesthetics. And so they use um, a few different possible ingredients for that local anesthetic. But then they're also delivered in combination with either opiates or narcotic, narcotics such as fentanyl and some others. I looked into what um, these three that were listed specifically, these narcotics that were listed um, here, such as fentanyl, what those are. And um, the disturbing thing was that all three were actually basically opiates at the end of the day. Um, Fentanyl is a powerful synthetic opiate that is similar to morphine, but it's actually 50 to 100 times more potent. And then the other, which is, I believe you pronounce it, sufentanil, citrate, um, it's a potent analog of fentanyl that has been evaluated primarily for use in opiate anesthesia. So that is, to me, disturbing living in the United States, especially where we have an opiate epidemic going on. Um, I think maybe in 2008, I wouldn't have been so concerned hearing um, that there were opiates in an epidural, although even back then I feel like I would have known to a degree that that was something dangerous. But we hear it all the time in the news that this country is going through an opiate crisis And um, it just seems like something that I should have been aware of as a mother. I should have been, I should have made myself aware of what some of the pain relieving ingredients might have been in the epidural that I used at that time. So then when you understand what's inside of many epidurals, and that's an important question for your OBGYN if you are going to work through an OBGYN and you are considering getting an epidural Asking them what types of drugs they use inside of their epidurals is something good for you to be aware of. Um, But that brings me to what are the effects on the infant when you use an epidural. And um, it's well known that any medication that a woman uses during labor enters the child's body. um, And it also can enter the child's body through the umbilical cord. So these painkillers, these anesthetics, even if they're delivered through epidurals, they do reach the baby. And what you read and find consistently is that they're in such small levels that they're insignificant and shouldn't be worried about when it comes to the baby. But it is also something that you as a mother, you as parents should be aware of, um, that those drugs are going to reach your baby. Um, And it's not something to feel bad about. But maybe it's not something to feel great about either. It's something to be aware of. Additionally, when it comes to effects on the infant, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about lactation because nursing is something that's really important in um, those first 
minutes and hours after you initially give birth, that's a really significant time to set up um, a good nursing uh, relationship with your newly born child. And I found some information and reports about how the effects of epidurals and specifically um, the opiates and epidurals can have a negative impact on that experience and that starting point for the relationship uh, with nursing your infant. One of the reports that I found said that maternal opiate administration decreases breastfeeding success. And here are a couple of reasons why that nursing relationship is really important right then in the birthing experience. And this also goes back to um, the effects on you as a mother when you give birth plus have an epidural. Um, breastfeeding confers benefits to maternal health. Lactation actually reduces the risk of postpartum hemorrhage. So this is something that's very healthy for you, not just for your infant, but when it comes to your infant, having success in breastfeeding is really important, especially early on. Um, breastfeeding babies have actually fewer infections, and these can be kind of simple infections like diarrhea and urinary infections, but there's also a reduced, ca um, reduced cases of sudden infant death for those babies that breastfeed their mothers. And I'm sure that we'll do a whole different episode sometime on nursing and just discussing the pros and cons. But um, this is a really important conversation in terms of the impact on the infant in the birthing process because delivery room and postpartum practices that support breastfeeding, according to reports seem to be the most important influence on breastfeeding success. So if you're successful in um, beginning that relationship in those first couple of hours with your infant in breastfeeding, then you have a much better chance of success over the coming months. And I've known many mothers who have wanted to breastfeed their children, and because they weren't able to get off to a good start, um, they struggled in the first weeks and then eventually had to give up breastfeeding their baby. So that is something that's really critical and can really make a big difference in, the, in that first year of life with your child. Now, there is also in some of the reports that I've read the statement that at the moment there is no prospective randomized evidence that epidural analgesia causes reduced breastfeeding success but retrospective studies showed an association but failed to demonstrate causation. So it does seem like opiates specifically in epidurals tend to really be what reduces the success with breastfeeding um, and maybe not just epidurals in and of themselves. So again, that's another reason to be well-educated on what epidural you'll be using, what's going to be inside of it, and then you can better understand the effects on yourself and on your child. I just want to go ahead and add this right now. Um, you know, Faith does a lot of research for each one of these podcasts. And um, we make sure to link all of the studies that she references. So if you have any questions about those studies, you know, go ahead and feel free to take some time and look at the, um, the subject and um, beneath that um, 
the summary, um, all of that, all of the research that she does, she wants to share with you. Um, so please take the time to look at that. If you have any additional questions, um, please feel free to contact us um, via email. Um, we're at it starts at birth at gmail.com. Um, we're getting our Twitter up and running, so you can contact us directly there. Um, and we'll get you that information soon. Um, please reach out to us if you have any questions or concerns. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, but like I said, if you have, if you want to do some more research, you know, all of this, all of the sources that she mentions, they will be, um, We'll, we'll provide links for you so that you can go ahead and take a look at those studies yourself. And as Mark has stated before as well, we will make mistakes as we are sharing some of the information on this podcast, and that's certainly not our intention. Um, but really, our desire, my desire in doing this research and our desire in putting it out there in a podcast is just to not have data spread out all over the place but to bring it together in one place that's easy for you to hear what's out there and then make you curious enough to do your own research and to find out um, how to put together the pregnancy and birthing journey that's right for you. So yes, we will share these reports, um, these articles, so that you can read them for yourself and come up with your own conclusions. But today, I hope that you feel like you got a good idea of some of the questions um, and facts about epidurals in the United States and what's inside of them and um, how they affect you and your child just to make you curious and to not only uh, look for answers but demand answers and create the experience that's perfect for you and your family. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us for It Starts at Birth. We'll be back tomorrow with a new episode because this is something that we're making a daily podcast. So we really appreciate you telling your friends, your family, anybody that maybe is interested in the subject matter. Um, it means a lot to us that you would share that. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. My name is Mark. And my name is Faith. And you just heard Know Your Epidural, Important Facts About Epidurals. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Join us tomorrow for a fresh podcast.